Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, thank you for listening today. There are many really good podcasts out there from true crime to comedy, politics, sports, and I'm glad you are tuning in here for a few minutes to add tools to your mental health toolbox. And you probably already know this, but you can put me and any podcast on a faster speed if you want to get through them a little faster. This is funny. I have a fast talking sister (laughs) and sometimes I want to put her on a slower speed (laughs) so I can understand her. But I realize that I might talk a little slower and you might be a fast processor. So just put me on a higher speed. Anyway, I'm glad to have you here as we continue with attachment styles. And today we are talking about dismissive or avoidant attachment style. So dismissant or avoidant attachment style, if you have it, you live with a really strong desire for independence and a sense of not needing others. (laughs) And I just want to reiterate and make something really clear here. If you have a dismissive avoidant attachment style or any style other than secure attachment style that does not mean you are flawed in any way. It means that your needs might have not been met in the way your personality would have liked them to in childhood or in adulthood, which caused you to become very self-reliant in this case. And instead of flawed, I like to think of it like this. Does this trait or characteristic serve me? I am sure that becoming self-reliant can serve you. And also, As we will learn, in some ways, it can make being in a relationship with you difficult. So just know that if you want to change your attachment style, you absolutely can, or just tweak it a little bit, and then you can have deeper relationships and connections, right? Okay, so what is the cause of dismissive avoidant attachment style? We're talking about attachment theory. So this is all based on how we interacted with parents in our youth. And it could be, when I say parents, I hope you also know that I mean caregivers, whoever acted as your parent. So it makes sense that the causes of this attachment style can be traced back to young age. I think it's good to learn about attachment theory, but also know that it is a theory. So two people can have the same parents, be treated the same way, and will come out differently because of their personalities and temperament and how they interpreted an experience. But that being said, some reasons that might play a role in causing dismissive avoidant attachment include these. It usually points or it can point to a parent who is emotionally unavailable or unresponsive. 
Maybe there is repeated discouragement from crying or expressing outward emotion. I wonder about us 80s and 90s kids, were we discouraged from crying or maybe our parents were discouraged from that in their time? People who grew up in the 40s and 50s, maybe even 60s. So then they can pass that on to us without even realizing it, right? Okay, so back to a parent of a child who has avoidant attachment. They may just lack knowledge on how to support their child. They lack empathy. They might be feeling overwhelmed by parenting responsibilities, and they may not have developed a sense of commitment to parenting, or they have an avoidant attachment style themselves. So children with avoidant attachment may also disconnect from their own needs and feelings. So children might learn how to self-soothe and feel as though they can only rely on themselves. And that leaves little motivation to trust others or to seek help or support from others. When we neglect or we're being dismissive, then we also become self-reliant to get what we need out of life. So let me just make something clear. I had to clarify this in my own head. The difference in parenting, because last time we talked about anxious attachment. So what is the difference between how a parent parents an anxious attachment child as opposed to an avoidant child? It's this. An anxious person got inconsistent care. Sometimes it was there and sometimes it wasn't. Where an avoidant is you learned you had to get your own needs met. And so sometimes parents, you know, can be consistent in providing food and shelter and structure, but maybe emotionally they're not available. And maybe they're emotionally available, but there's not food on the table. And so it could go all kinds of ways. So I don't love to point fingers and say parents were bad. I mean, I just really have this belief that we're all doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And also we're being more self-aware now. And so it's hard to say, oh, my parents were not self-aware because that's not even what they were taught. We're taught that now. When we know better, we do better. Okay, so from a parenting perspective though, so if you're a parent, we can help prevent our children from developing an avoidant attachment style, at least in some ways, and we do this by being sensitive to their needs and feelings while encouraging them to express their wants and emotions. That's so important for them to be able to express that. As a parent, we don't want our kids to feel ashamed if they make a mistake or we don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes or be vulnerable and tell us why they're sad. Instead, as parents, we can soothe and comfort our child as often as possible when they are distressed or scared, or sharing something with us. And if you are a parent who finds that you are struggling with parenting and suspect that you may not be consistently meeting the emotional needs of your child, you're not flawed. Just find yourself a good therapist. Also, know that you can be a good parent, and maybe it's your child's personality and yours Together, your personality and their personality, it's just hard to match it. It doesn't mean you are a bad parent. So 
If your child is struggling, you don't have to feel guilty. You can chalk it up to that's life. And we're all here to have experiences and we are all here to struggle. And maybe one of our struggles is our relationship. Just notice what it is. Make adjustments as needed and move on. Guilt does not need to be a part of the equation. Let's talk about some characteristics of dismissive avoidant attachment. So like I said before, people who are dismissive or avoidant are generally very self-sufficient. They are independent to an extreme, not asking for help, setting a lot of boundaries, and that's for themselves. They might withdraw from their partner when they get too close. So a child with an avoidant attachment style might show no outward display of desire for closeness, affection, or love. However, internally, that child will feel the same stress and anxiety responses as a child with secure attachment when they are in stressful situations. So these children may also want to be near their parent, but not necessarily interact with them. And they may also reject physical contact. Some of these behaviors can obviously last into adulthood. And as an adult, a person with avoidant attachment style, it may look something like they're avoiding emotional closeness in relationships, feeling as though their partners are being clingy when they are simply wanting to be emotionally closer. Oh my gosh, I'll tell you in a minute why that rings so true to me. (laughs) Withdrawing and coping with difficult situations alone, suppressing emotions, they'll avoid complaining and sometimes they might sulk or hint at what is wrong, but most of the times they'll just keep it to themselves. They suppress negative memories even. They might withdraw, tune out unpleasant conversations or sights. They do have a fear of rejection. So I've already said having a strong sense of independence and then having feelings of high self-esteem while having a negative view of others and then also being overly focused of their own needs and comforts. People who are dismissive or avoidant are often very private, maybe even secretive, sometimes rigid. They don't want their own plans to be influenced by others and Sometimes they just won't even tell you about those plans at all. When someone tries to get close to a person with a dismissive avoidant attachment style, the avoider may step back completely from the relationship or friendship, and they might come across as cold or distant and closed off. If you've ever experienced this, where someone gets a little bit close to you and then all of a sudden they become cold and distant, it might not have anything to do with you. It's probably their attachment style. I just love attachment style for the reasons that we don't have to take everything so personally. Most of the time, it's about them. In terms of relationships, people who are dismissive or avoidant are often more prone to short and shallow romantic partnerships or friendships, and they keep things real casual, at a distance, at arm's length. And sometimes, as you can imagine, those relationships don't last very long because especially if you're trying to have this romantic relationship and this person's keeping you at arm's length, how long do you want to keep at that relationship, right? If this is you, ask yourself, 
is this serving you? And obviously, in some ways, it is because you can stay comfortable not getting too close. But in other ways, you might be missing out on important relationships. It might be serving you in one way and hurting you in another. And if that's the case, then you get to decide which one do I want more of. With that said, let's talk about the impact of dismissive avoidant. So being independent and teaching your children how to be independent is important. We need that. We need it for survival and we need it so they can go off to college and we need it so they can go and live their life. There is a level of that that is healthy. We don't want to go the other way and be codependent. That being said, though, having an avoidant dismissive attachment style to the extreme doesn't serve the avoider, as you can imagine, and it can strongly impact those in their life. So if you or someone you know has an avoidant dismissive attachment style, your needs might go unmet. The avoider might like to avoid, but they are still human. And as humans, we want to have connection with others. And we all need to be taken care of at some point in our life. But because people with that attachment style have so much trouble reaching out to others, it can make it hard for the avoider to admit that they need help and support. And then this causes them to suffer in silence sometimes. And then your loved ones can feel neglected. Partners, friends, and family members of someone who is an avoider or who has, I, you know, I'm labeling. So I should keep saying with a dismissive avoidant attachment style, they have that style. That's not who they are. So those friends and relationships might not be getting their needs met, right? In regards to romantic relationships, the partner of an avoider may feel neglected or disconnected from their partner, which can feel really lonely in a relationship. So the avoider might be feeling safe in their behavior which we all want to feel safe, but the person on the other side definitely may not. In general, people feel safer when they feel connected to others, but there's exceptions to all the rules because it is not necessarily the case for someone with dismissive avoidant attachment. They might feel safer with more distance. As you can imagine, creating distance between yourself and others, it makes them feel less safe and this can create negative feelings about the relationship. And to top it off, when people with a dismissive avoidant attachment style, they're not always afraid of abandonment or the end of a relationship. When conflict happens, a person with this attachment style might look for the fastest way out of the relationship or the fastest way out of the conflict. So cutting the relationship short prevents the avoider from dealing with the distress of the conflict and fear that they will be rejected first. This strategy in the short term might prevent stress, but it makes it really difficult to maintain a long-lasting, meaningful relationship and often leads to being isolated and lonely in the long term. So my husband, I told him I was doing this and I was laughing a couple weeks ago because I'm like, you know, I am going to talk about dismissive avoidant attachment style and how can I talk about it without mentioning you? <laughs> and I was showing him all those things that I just shared with you about feeling as though your partners are being clingy when they simply want to get emotionally closer 
and withdrawing and coping with difficult situations alone, all those things. So he said, I will give you permission to talk about it as long as you preface that I am hot and I'm good in the sack. So let me say that both of those things are true. Also, he is an avoider. And since we have talked about secure and anxious style attachment, if you want to go back and listen to those two episodes, please do. But I will say that I have been mostly secure, but turned a little anxious after marrying an avoider. Like I said, it doesn't always have to come from your childhood. It's lovely to not blame the person and to just blame the attachment style. I'm telling you, life-changing. If you don't blame your person, but blame their attachment stuff. So my husband, who I have to just reiterate, he's really hot and he's good in the sack. His family had eight kids and he was number seven. And his parents also owned the oldest and best bakery in Utah. They were very hard workers. They had a lot of kids. They were wonderful parents, fabulous family. But my husband talks about never asking for help. And he's just making himself peanut butter sandwiches a lot or cereal and not wanting to cause more stress for his parents. In fact, his mom said he was the easiest to raise. He just kind of took care of his needs. He didn't share a ton. And I think he made his humor his outlet and he did really well in school and in general in life. Some little things that I'll share though. When we were dating and getting more serious, affection, like holding hands, was not something that he felt comfortable with. And looking back, that was just too close for him. And I had to let him know that was a deal breaker for me. If he couldn't hold my hand or give me a peck on the cheek in public, then this was a no-go. Well, eventually he came around and we did get married. Now, I am the oldest of seven. I am very nurturing and doting and I wanted to be that but also to have that same nurturing and doting shown back to me. That's what I think I envisioned. (laughs) And I would have loved to know what I know now about attachment theory because I took my husband's distance, not sharing his emotions, not necessarily nurturing or doting because he was used to taking care of himself. But I took that as a sign that he didn't love me. And I began to tell myself this story. And then you can imagine that if you're telling yourself that your spouse doesn't love you, then maybe you become more clingy and you become a little more anxious. Is this even going to work out? When you tell yourself this story, it can do some real damage to yourself and your marriage. Because you can also say, gosh, is there something wrong with me? And personalize it, right? Why is he holding back? Why do I feel so lonely in my marriage? It would just be the little things like I would want to give him a massage and receive one back, but he would say, I don't really like massages. And then I don't really want to give you one. I would make a big deal of birthdays and get the balloons and make sure there's cake. And I would express how I felt about him in letters and telling him. And I would just feel really lonely not getting those same things back. Oh, this is what I wanted. And I'm not getting it and he's not letting me in and sharing, you know, his deepest thoughts with me. And here I am being really vulnerable with him. But now I want to hold back because he's not sharing with me. And oh, my goodness, I couldn't figure him out. And I thought for a time that I had made a huge mistake 
However, we were able to get therapy and I became a therapist and my eyes have been opened and we will be married for 23 years on November 16th, 2023. So I'm so proud of us. So how to build a healthier attachment style. If you are avoidant or married to someone, you may want to have a deeper connection. So people with dismissive avoidant attachment style can fall in love, obviously, my husband is proof, and have lasting romantic relationships. But it does require being able to recognize what your tendencies are and take steps to develop healthier coping mechanisms. So when the desire to build a stronger relationship comes to light, someone with a dismissive avoidant attachment might not know where to begin or might feel like, oh, I have to change my whole who I am. So here's what you can do if you want stronger connections. Well, one option is you don't have to do anything. Let's just see how that's working for you, right? Isn't that what Dr. Phil said? How's that working for you? So you don't have to make any changes and see how that works. But I don't think if my husband and I didn't, both of us had to make changes, but if we didn't make those changes, I don't think we would have lasted. It is possible to have close relationships and you don't have to completely change yourself if you want to keep that attachment style, but it does require a lot of work and communication to ensure expectations are being communicated, understood. And that goes for both parties, the avoider and in my case, the secure. So my husband, he had to learn to communicate his intentions. For example, Before, he might have planned to watch football most of the day Saturday, and I would have felt ignored. But now he'll say, hey, I really this Saturday want to watch football all day. But is there anything that you need from me before or after or during that time? So you don't feel ignored, but knowing that this is what I want to do. So I felt like I wasn't being ignored because at least he would think of me before he would turn the TV on. Also, he has learned that although he doesn't care for touch and massaging and that closeness so much, it's important for me. And so I have to tell you the best gift I have ever received from him was when he bought a massage table and a book on how to give massages. And he learned. And because he doesn't like them and he never, ever asks for one, I get one almost once a week. And it is amazing. And it just means so much to me because this is someone that doesn't really care for that, but he is offering that to me. Also, when we're watching a movie, he'll usually prefer to sit in the opposite side of the room. (laughs) And I'll say, I'm really wanting to sit near you while we watch this movie and hold hands. And so sometimes we'll compromise. He can hold my hand for half the movie and then he's like, I just need my space. So if I just understand that he needs space and not take it personally, he doesn't love me or he doesn't, you know, want to be close to me, we do have to look at each other's attachment style and just kind of help each other still feel loved while keeping our attachment style. So I'm keeping mine and he's keeping his. We're just acknowledging it and working with it. Also, when I am needing to confront him on something, I like to give him a little time limit. Like, I think this conversation will take 20 minutes. I think this conversation will take seven minutes. I just need to let you know, you know, what's going on in my heart. And also, I want to let you know that I'm saying it with love. And my intention is connection, not separation. So 
So these are just a few examples of how we have worked in our marriage of 23 years. I am trying to showcase how you can acknowledge what is and work with it instead of completely changing the other person. Again, because if you look at your spouse like they are flawed, oh man, that's contempt and that could be detrimental to your relationship. He could look at me like I'm flawed. Oh my gosh, why doesn't she just take care of herself? Why doesn't she just go get her own massages? If she's hungry, she should just make herself food. Like why does she have to ask me to make her a sandwich? Because that's what he would do, right? So we're not flawed. Our attachment style is just different. That's it. And we just have to work with it. So once you recognize these certain tendencies in yourself, you can take steps to gradually challenge them. And that can be hard because you might be used to setting hard boundaries and saying no and saying, well, you're changing me and you might be wanting to reject things. But As an avoider, if you normally refuse to show vulnerability, you can look for opportunities to share your feelings and thoughts with your spouse instead of hiding them. And if you are the spouse, just don't get offended. Just recognize and keep being vulnerable yourself and asking for more, knowing it comes little by little. The other thing we can do, and this is, I say this almost every time, but the practice of mindfulness or learning to focus more fully on the present moment can help you become more aware of your behaviors and emotions. So when you find yourself being dismissive, rejecting, or avoidant, stop and think about how you are feeling at that moment. And instead of trying to push the emotions away, work toward labeling and accepting that they exist. And then it will help you tolerate the feelings of distress that you feel And instead of turning away from your partner, you can turn to your partner. And obviously, reaching out to a therapist is a very viable option. Look for one who specializes in relationships or who is knowledgeable about attachment theory. And anyone who does EFT is knowledgeable in attachment theory. I want to talk to you about the six stages of behavior change for a quick second because... Anytime that we change behaviors, it is not easy. And I don't care if you are an alcoholic or if you have some bad habits or you're just trying to change a little bit of what your attachment style is. So the stages of behavior change are pre-contemplation. People are not yet aware of the need to change their behavior and they are not interested in changing. Then there's contemplation. People are aware of the negative consequences of their behavior and are considering changing. So pre-contemplation, you don't even know. Contemplation, you're aware now and you're considering it. Then there's preparation. People are ready to make the change and they plan how to do it. Then there's action. People are actively changing their behavior and implementing their plan. Maintenance, people are sustaining their behavior change and preventing relapse. And then termination, you have successfully changed the behavior and are confident that you will not relapse. That goes for all kinds of habits and tendencies that we have. In summary, avoidant attachment is one of those four attachment styles that may develop early in childhood, but also can develop later in life. And an avoidant attachment style may cause a child or an adult to hide their feelings and be emotionally distant and also be very independent, which is a plus. 
However, you have to decide if it works for you. Is part of it working and the other part of it not working? You don't have to completely change yourself. If some of it's not working, just change the parts that aren't working. You can do things to have close, meaningful relationships and also take what your childhood gave you and use it to your advantage. I love how independent my husband is. And I would not say that he is flawed at all. We just know better how to work with one another. Also, I don't know if I've said this before, but you can have more than one attachment style. And sometimes they'll be two together. So you might be an anxious avoider or like me, secure and a little anxious. And then you can, as your relationship progresses, just be completely secure. Or I think my husband is probably still an avoider, but also has more secure tendencies. So we can change and be different and we can be different with different relationships as well. So everything is on a spectrum. We are not just one thing. The important part is just to make sure that whatever we are, we're aware of it and we don't have to take ourselves too seriously. We can laugh about it and laugh how we got in that attachment style and then make any changes that we want to make. Just be intentional. I guess that's what I'm saying with this. Just be intentional. Be conscious of what you are and like your reasons for how you're acting, especially how you're acting in the most important relationships that you have. That's all I have for you today. I've got more great interviews coming up and we will tackle the last attachment style in the next solo episode. So come back for more, leave reviews, keep those emails coming and share with your friends. Sending you all the love. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.